Attention, all troops. She's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rockerless. Growing up, I was often home alone at my family's house during the day. There were rules when I was home alone. You do not answer the door for strangers. You don't even go near the door. You pretend nobody's home. If anybody calls and you don't recognize them, you hang up immediately. You also don't touch the stove or any other weird things that you're not supposed to touch even when other people are there. I was pretty good with all these rules. So much so that when my mom and sisters were going to go to a concert, they agreed to let me stay home alone in the evening. Now this was all new to me. I had conquered the day, but never conquered the night, and this was going to be my chance. My mom made sure that I knew that the neighbor was available for me if I wanted to go over there and stay with them, but that if I wanted to stay home, I had to follow all the rules. I was given money for pizza, there was some soda in the fridge, and I was very excited. They left, and it was still pretty light out. Almost immediately, I called and ordered the pizza, started playing some video games. When the pizza showed up, I switched to movies and was having a grand old time. Me and my family dogs alone in our castle. But I started to realize just how empty and quiet the house was and then how dark it was outside. Now, it's just a coincidence. It was one of those evenings where the neighborhood seemed very quiet, which was sort of unusual. And more than a few times, I thought, maybe I should go over to that neighbor. But I had something I wanted to prove. I wanted to show that I could do this. But watching TV wasn't working. Everything I heard while the TV was on seemed louder, like someone's outside, someone's at the front door, someone's on the roof. All of these things were irrational. But I was a little kid, so to deal with it, I wanted to keep the TV on, but I would turn it really low so I can kind of hear it, but I could still hear the rest of the house. And I gathered all the dogs around me, shut off all the lights in the house so that nobody knew I was there, and then I just waited. Unfortunately, my family tried to call, and by the time I got to the phone, they had given up because I let it ring a whole bunch of times. I was so nervous. And they were calling to say they were just going to be a little late. In the meantime, they called my neighbor to come check on me. They came to the front door and knocked, and I was not having it. No way I was going near that front door. If my family was home, they would have keys. Whoever that was, they were a stranger. They could go away. And so I just hunkered down and waited. When my family finally came home, my mother was a bit nervous because she encountered my neighbor outside who said she didn't know where I was. I ran outside and was so happy to see my mom. I hugged her. She knew she was very, very welcome to be home. And so, despite my odd behavior, or maybe because of my odd behavior, there was no repercussions to the evening. And, in the future, I would be trusted again to be home alone at night. Although, not for quite a while. Not that I was complaining. I wasn't ready at that point. I imagine we all have memories of the first time we are alone. Maybe we forget some of them, like, I can't remember the first time I was truly home alone during the day. But I remember the first time at night, and it was a long night. Over the years, I've met a lot of people who had situations like this regularly. I don't know how they handled that. I'm sure it's something you really might accept, but you really never get used to as time goes on. But I knew I certainly wasn't ready for it. And 
That is why when I saw the movie Home Alone, I kept thinking, how is this kid so capable? He was younger than I was when this stuff was happening to me. And he's prepared to defend his house. He's got a whole game plan. He's living it up. Of course, it's because it's a movie and reality is always very different from the movie. But it's a fun fantasy for kids and one that had I seen it when I was a kid, I might have been better prepared for my experiences of being home alone. I certainly would have packed some more paint cans away just to knock some burglars on the head if I needed to. On today's show, I'd like to talk to you about the classic film Home Alone. We'll talk about the people in front of and behind the camera. We'll talk about the development, the plot, the cast, its release on home video, merchandise, and we'll throw in a few surprises here and there. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show. Home Alone is a 1990 Christmas comedy that was directed by Chris Columbus and written and produced by John Hughes. It starred Macaulay Culkin, Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern, Catherine O'Hara, and John Hurd. Now I'm going to jump in right with the plot of the film. I'll try to make this on the quick side. If you haven't seen Home Alone, you really should before hearing this. But if you haven't seen it yet, you probably know enough about it that none of this is going to be a huge surprise. Home Alone is about Kevin McAllister, and he is part of a family that lives in the upscale suburbs of Chicago. The McAllisters are all gathered together the day before a trip. They are all going to Paris for Christmas, and they are at the home of Kate and Peter McAllister. Kate is played by Catherine O'Hara, Peter by John Hurd. This is the night before they're about to leave. The whole family's there, and it's the extended family, not just the immediate family. And they have cousins and a lot of kids. It's chaos. Their one child, Kevin McAllister, played by Macaulay Culkin, has all sorts of issues with these family members. And some of them are quite valid, but it results in him getting into trouble. His mother grounds him, sends him to the attic, and he wishes that his family would go away. He didn't want them around. There's a storm that night, knocks out the power. The alarm clocks are all messed up. They wake up in a panic, rush to the airport, the whole family, except for Kevin. Somehow, they manage to get on the plane, thinking Kevin's with them, and fly to Paris. Meanwhile, Kevin wakes up, sees his family is not there. He's psyched. Starts having the adventure of a lifetime, having a lot of fun, very brave. Meanwhile, there are two burglars, the Wet Bandits, and they are named that because they flood the houses of the people who they rob. And they've seen the McAllister house, and they want it. But unfortunately for them, Kevin is there, and they think, well, there are people there. So they start robbing all the other houses in the area. Now, I should say there's this old guy who lives next door, Old Man Marley, who is supposedly some sort of killer. He's not. He's actually a really nice guy. He'll show up later and be very important, but should know he's out there floating around. 
Kate realizes they've lost Kevin. She has to get back to Chicago. Kevin, meanwhile, decides that he is going to defend his house from these burglars. These burglars decide, well, if it's just one kid, we're going to take this house. Kevin, as it turns out, is a genius at coming up with Rube Goldberg-type devices that will punish anyone who tries to break into his house. Kate makes her journey home, takes forever. In the meantime, she encounters a great cameo with John Candy. Great little cameo. We'll talk a little bit about that later. Kevin almost defeats the burglars, gets caught. But then old man Marley, who he met earlier at a church, had a great heart-to-heart conversation with him. And they both came to a realization that they needed to be more flexible in their lives. Marley, I guess, has been watching Kevin from a distance, making sure he's okay. He knocks the wet bandits on the head. Kevin escapes. Kate gets home. The rest of the family is right behind her because... It took her forever to get home, and they just waited till the next flight. The wet bandits are put in jail, and all is right with the world. That plot came from the fertile mind of John Hughes. John Hughes was born in 1950, passed away early in 2009. He was a filmmaker, writer. He began his career in the 70s, working for National Lampoon magazine. Then he would go on to Hollywood and write, direct, and produce some of the most well-known films of the 80s and 90s, almost all of them set in the Chicago area. Some of his films that he worked on include National Lampoon's Vacation, 16 Candles, Mr. Mom, Weird Science, The Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Pretty in Pink, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Uncle Buck, Dutch, and of course Home Alone. The film was directed not by Hughes in this case, but by Chris Columbus. Columbus is a filmmaker who was born in Spangler, Pennsylvania, and would write a bunch of screenplays in the mid-80s, and then would eventually make his directorial debut in 1987 with the hit comedy Adventures in Babysitting. Hughes had actually approached the director, Patrick Reed Johnson, who was working on Spaced Invaders, and couldn't find any flexibility. So Hughes would ask Columbus. Columbus had left National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation before shooting because he had a personality clash with Chevy Chase, which seems to be a pretty common occurrence with people who work with Chevy Chase. Hughes had two movies that he thought Chris Columbus would do a good job with. Columbus chose Home Alone. He liked the Christmas theme and thought it was pretty funny. He would also do a rewrite of Hughes's work, adding the Old Man Marley character, which kind of softens the film and adds a lot more emotion to it. It's interesting because the Marley character could be interpreted as sort of a older version of Kevin if he was the type who would just dig in the rest of his life because Marley is alone and had a disagreement with his family and now doesn't get to see his grandkids. And Kevin, as a young person, had a disagreement with his family and now can't see them. Together, though, when they get to talk, they give good advice to one another and sort of help each other out, maybe making both of their lives better and saving Kevin from Marley's fate, which I wonder if Marley is supposed to be a reference to A Christmas Carol's Marley, which is Scrooge's business partner and the first ghost who appears, sort of Kevin seeing a Christmas yet to come. Columbus would direct Home Alone, which did well, and he would direct its sequel, Home Alone 2. After that, he would direct Mrs. Doubtfire, another big hit. But then after that, things sort of went downhill in the 90s, but he came roaring back in the new millennium when he was brought aboard to direct Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone and would direct the sequel, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, which were, as you know, pretty big films, and he would stay on to produce another Harry Potter sequel and continued to work after that. 
before Home Alone, Hughes had worked on a bunch of films, and one of them was a movie called Uncle Buck, starring John Candy, which also had another actor in it, who you will know from this film, Macaulay Culkin, who plays a adorably precocious young man in Uncle Buck. And he and a moment in Hughes's life would come to be the inspiration for Home Alone. Hughes was basically finished with Uncle Buck and is going to go on vacation. And he started to make a list of everything that he needed to bring on his vacation. And then he thought, what would have happened had I forgotten my kids? And also, what would my kid do if they were home alone? He wrote eight pages of notes, and that would be developed into the movie. Culkin was the actor he had in mind for the role, but it would be Columbus's ultimate decision. But before they could make that decision, they needed financing. So they brought the film to Warner Brothers and said they could make the film for about $10 million, which is very low for a film of this size. At the same time, Hughes knew that the film would probably go over that. So at the same time, he met with 20th Century Fox. And somehow, in some way, 20th Century Fox got a copy of the script and they liked it. But the film was still at Warner Brothers. And when they submitted higher and higher budgets, Warner Brothers balked and thought, well, eventually they're going to have to come back to us hat in hand and we'll get to make the film for a lower amount of money. But Fox jumped right in on it and upped the budget to $18 million. And so Warner Brothers would ultimately lose out on this one. Dashing for the play. Trying to make the flight. Come on! Mom and Dad just made Kevin! a tiny oversight ah! as they hurry home to Robbers plan a heist. But little do they know he's got his home turf iced. Home alone, home alone, he tricked them every way. All the fun it is to see two burglars get flambéed. Home alone. From John Hughes, directed by Chris Columbus, ready PG. Now playing at theaters everywhere. Filming started on February 14th, 1990, and would run for 83 days until May 8th of that year. The film was shot in Winnetka, Illinois, at 671 Lincoln Avenue. So if you're ever in that area, you could drive by and see the house from home alone. Actually, a lot of the locations used in John Hughes movies have become minor tourist attractions in the area. When I lived in the area, tried to drive through all these towns and find some of these locations. It's a lot easier to find them once they started to show up on the internet. But if you're in the area, you're visiting them, don't jump out and take photos on people's lawns. Give them some amount of privacy. These are private homes, but it is really neat to see them and to see the neighborhoods themselves because you feel like you're walking or driving through a movie. The airport they shoot at is O'Hare International Airport. Even the ones that they shoot in Paris, that is not the airport in Paris. They actually shot that at O'Hare as well. While they would shoot mostly exteriors at that house, interiors were done at a studio, but in Illinois as well. Production of the film was a little difficult because on one hand you have Macaulay Culkin, who is a young kid who can't work past a certain time. On the other hand, you have Joe Pesci. And Joe Pesci, according to stories, likes to play golf. And he did not want a very early start so that he could, when he needed to, go play a couple of rounds of golf. And so they would have to push start time later. Problem is they had a window where they couldn't shoot after because of Macaulay Culkin. Somehow, though, they were all professionals and they managed to figure it out and make it happen. But there are stories about Pesci and Stern having to watch their cursing on the set because there is a kid around. They found that very difficult, and some cursing does make it into the film. Also, a stunt went awry when Joe Pesci was doing a scene with Culkin where he is 
supposed to pretend to bite one of Culkin's fingers. He actually does. And according to what I read online, Macaulay Culkin still has the scar from Joe Pesci biting him. So that's some strong method acting. This film has a very large cast. So I'm going to try to just stay with the main characters. Macaulay Culkin played Kevin, an eight-year-old genius defender of his home. Now, as I said, Hughes liked Culkin and suggested it to Columbus that he cast Macaulay Culkin in this role. But this is Columbus's movie, and he would meet with 200 other actors for the part. Eventually, though, when he finally met Culkin, he agreed this is the right kid for the role. Macaulay Culkin was born in 1980, one of the most successful child actors of the 90s. In addition to Home Alone, he would work on Home Alone 2, The Nutcracker, The Page Master, Richie Rich, and other films. He would take a break from acting for quite a while, but then would return. He would appear on TV shows and in commercials. He was on Will and Grace and eventually on American Horror Story. He has a bit of an internet following going as well. Joe Pesci played Harry Lyme one of the wet bandits. Two other people were offered the role of Harry Lyme, John Lovitz and Robert De Niro, who both turned it down before Pesci accepted it. I kind of feel like if you were to smush Lovitz and De Niro together, you'd kind of get Joe Pesci. I don't know why that is. Joe Pesci was born in 1943. He's an actor and musician, known for playing mobsters in movies with Robert De Niro and Martin Scorsese, films like Goodfellas and Casino. He would also do Raging Bull, And while those were pretty big films, he also did comedies, appearing in the Home Alone movies, My Cousin Vinny, and, of course, the Lethal Weapon movies, where he plays Leo Getz. Pesci would win a Best Supporting Actor Academy Award for his work in Goodfellas, and would get two nominations for his work in Raging Bull and The Irishman. If you haven't heard, Joe Pesci can sing as well. So if you want to hear Joe Pesci do some music, there's an album from 1968 called Little Joe Sure Can Sing that I think you should check out. Daniel Stern played Marv, the taller of the Wet Bandits. They're kind of a Mutt and Jeff duo. Stern was brought in to play Marv, but then as production grew, Stern was committed to do something else. They didn't want to pay him more money for the extended schedule. So they replaced him with Daniel Roebuck, another actor. But they didn't see any chemistry between Pesci and Roebuck, and eventually Stern would be brought back. Stern was born in 1957, probably best known to most people for his work in Home Alone. But he was also in City Slickers and City Slickers 2, and was the voice of Kevin Arnold on the television series The Wonder Years, amongst other things. Catherine O'Hara played Kevin's mom, Kate. Catherine O'Hara was born in 1954, best known for her work on Second City Television, although recently she was on Schitt's Creek, where a lot of people got to see her. But she's been in Beetlejuice, The Nightmare Before Christmas, all of those Christopher Guest films like Waiting for Guffman, Best in Show, Mighty Wind. The thing is, Catherine O'Hara is hilarious, and yet in this film, she plays it very straight and does a great job with it. John Hurd played Peter, Kevin's father. Hurd was born in 1946. He passed away in 2017. Did movies like Cutter's Way and Cat People. But most people are going to know him for his role in Home Alone and Home Alone 2, playing Kevin's dad. Roberts Blossom played Marley, Kevin's neighbor. Roberts Scott Blossom was born in 1924. He passed away in 2011. He was a poet and actor. While Home Alone is the movie I know him for, you will recognize him watching other films. He was in Christine, Escape from Alcatraz, and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. 
Lastly, there is a cameo by John Candy as Gus Polinski, who is a polka musician who helps Kate get home. He was only paid for one day of shooting, and it took 23 hours to shoot. He got about $400. He did it as a favor to John Hughes. Because of that, he improvised a lot, paying him so low, he's going to get to do what he wants, and a lot of his dialogue was improvised in the film, and it really works. He is a delight when he is on screen, a great actor in everything he does. That is not the only members of the cast, but the rest of the cast is very large, and to go through it would take the rest of the day. With any movie, music is important, but this is a holiday movie, so there's going to be holiday-style music. Columbus wanted to bring the very talented Bruce Broughton in to do the music for Home Alone. And in fact, early news about the film had Broughton attached to do the music, but he was committed to doing the Rescuers Down Under and had to cancel. So Columbus would reach out to his friend, Steven Spielberg, and asked if he could get him in contact with film legend John Williams. And Williams agreed. So not a bad second choice for a film because it is John Williams. The Home Alone soundtrack would get nominated for an Academy Award, as would one of the songs in the film. And the soundtrack was a big hit, selling lots of albums. And to many people, it's just as memorable as the film. John Towner Williams was born in 1932. He is a legendary composer, conductor, and pianist. Maybe the most important film music person of the last 50 years in America, composing some of the biggest and most critically acclaimed scores for huge hit films. He's won 25 Grammy Awards, five Academy Awards, four Golden Globes, and seven British Academy Awards. He's had 52 Academy Award nominations and is the second most nominated individual after Walt Disney. If you're not familiar with the name, you're probably familiar with the films. He did the music for the Star Wars films, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Jaws, Superman, E.T. the Extraterrestrial, the Indiana Jones films, the first Jurassic Park films, almost everything that Steven Spielberg has worked on, the music in the first three Harry Potter films. And his stuff just wasn't on the big screen. He would get on the little screen. He did the music for NBC Sunday Night Football and the music that was used in the 84 Summer Olympic Games that still gets used to this day. Just a tremendous talent, and they were very lucky to get him. Home Alone would premiere in Chicago on November 10th, 1990, giving it a local opening, but then would get a wide release on November 6, 1990. It would gross $285.8 million in the U.S. and then 190.9 worldwide, giving it a $476.7 million gross. That's on a budget of $18 million. So I could imagine some people at Warner Brothers were kicking themselves for this one. And it was a type of film that grew in popularity from word of mouth. In its opening weekend, it grossed $17 million. But over the next six weeks, it would continue to add screens to its total. So more and more movie theaters were carrying it. And at its peak, six weeks later, it would be on 2,174 screens, which is almost a 1,000 more than when it started. And that peak was in January of 91. That's really impressive. By the time it finished its run, it was the third highest grossing film of all time worldwide, as well as in the U.S. and Canada, behind two other John Williams scored films, Star Wars and E.T. the Extraterrestrial. So, what else was out? When this film came out, I have a printout of what was playing in my area at the time. And just looking at this page as I fold it out, 
Home Alone is the biggest ad on the page right now, although there's a couple of other pretty good ones here. But at this point, if you've listened to the show, you know I had three movie theaters in my town at one point. Right now we were down to two, the sixplex and the eightplex. Sadly, the fourplex had went away. Home Alone was playing at the sixplex. And what else was playing there? You had Rocky V, Goodfellas, Sibling Rivalry, and The Craze. Over at the 8plex, they had White Palace, Child's Play 2, Avalon, Jacob's Ladder, Reversal of Fortune, The Rescuers Down Under, that's playing with the Prince and the Pauper. I remember seeing that. That was really exciting. Ghost and Marked for Death. So a pretty good lineup here of films that were going on. I saw Jacob's Ladder, Child's Play 2, The Rescuers, Rocky V, Ghost, and Marked for Death, as well as Home Alone, which I didn't see the opening weekend. I was one of those people who heard about it through word of mouth and eventually would see it. And I was blown away, just like everybody else. I remember a lot of my friends were talking about Jacob's Ladder, so that's probably why I went and saw that as quickly as I did. I wouldn't see Memphis Bell, which was also playing at the same time, until it was out on home video. So a lot of pretty good films, some of them disappointing, some of them not. I always like to look at the ads on the page to see which one has size, which ones they were promoting, and they were doing a pretty good job of promoting Home Alone. There's some great review callouts. We'll talk about those in a second. But that's one page. On the second page, there were ads for Sibling Rivalry, Reversal of Fortune, Rocky V, and The Rescuers Down Under. Rocky V being the biggest on that page. But overall, Home Alone is the biggest thing that's being promoted. So some good marketing going on for Home Alone. Reception of the film was generally positive. Although someone like Roger Ebert, who I always enjoy reading his stuff, did like Macaulay Culkin, and he liked the traps that were devised for the film. He thought it was very creative. He thought that the plot was implausible, and that ruined his suspension of disbelief. I think he's being a little hard on the film. Other people basically seem to think it was a fairly lighthearted romp overall. Although I love Entertainment Weekly magazine gave the film a D, criticizing the film for its And I quote, sadistic festival of adult bashing, which is so great. If that doesn't make you want to see the film, then I don't know what makes you want to see a film. A sadistic festival of adult bashing. What a line. The ads that ran in my newspaper had a great call out from Pat Collins at WWOR-TV, which is a local New Jersey, New York TV station, although basically based in New Jersey. It's the funniest holiday movie in years, dot, dot, dot. Happy and hysterically funny, dot, dot, dot. There's no place like Home Alone for the holidays. Oh, Pat Collins, you really teed that one up. But overall, all these call-outs are like that. It always makes me laugh. It didn't even matter what people were saying, if they didn't like it, if they were saying it was sadistic, because people loved it, and they couldn't stop talking about it. And that fueled the box office. While the film would get nominated for two Academy Awards for... Best Original Score and Best Original Song. It would lose to both Dances with Wolves and Dick Tracy. Macaulay Culkin would win a Youth in Film Award for Best Young Actor, starring in a motion picture that year. So the movie's doing really well, got some awards. As it disappeared from theaters, Fox was already making plans to release it on home video. And they would do something that was starting to catch on at the time, which was they would release the film Not as a big-priced rental market thing, but as a lower-priced video that people could afford to buy and own. It was released on August 22, 1991, and it was a big hit, eventually selling 11 million copies and generating 
$150 million in revenue for Fox. Along with E.T., it would become one of the best-selling videos of all time. Now, as you might guess, because it was sold at such a low price, it wasn't a big rental because you could afford to buy it for pretty low. And it helped that Pepsi was running a tie-in where if you bought Pepsi and send in proof of purchases from Pepsi products, that's some good alliteration. Metagirl would be proud. You can get $5 off. Excuse me, uh, ma'am. Hi. I don't mean to disturb you, but I have some news I think you're going to love. You see, Pepsi is doing this great deal with the movie Home Alone. Well, it's coming out on video August 22nd, and here's the best part. You buy the video, you buy Pepsi, and then you send Pepsi proofs of purchase, and are you ready for this? They send you five bucks. What do you think about that? Pepsi, Home Alone, and five bucks. Excuse me, sir. Nah, you already heard about it. I was working at Suncoast Video when this happened, and it was a big hit. We could not keep this film in. We would put a stack of them out in the morning, and it would go fast. And when Christmas time came around, people were knocking down our gates to get this video to wrap up, to give as gifts. It would eventually get releases on DVD starting in 1999, which is pretty early for DVD. Then it would get a Blu-ray release in 2008. And then a 25th anniversary edition with all four of its sequels would be released on DVD and Blu-ray in 2015. Then for the 30th anniversary, it was released on Ultra HD Blu-ray back in 2020. So we're just a few years off from the 35th anniversary edition. So get prepared for a higher resolution version of Home Alone to get released. As I mentioned, the film had sequels, more than you probably remember. Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, which brought back most of the cast of the original, was released in 1992. The thing people like to point out about this is that Macaulay Culkin finally got a paycheck for this one because he only made 110000 for the first film, but for this one he got $4.5 million. In 97, they would release Home Alone 3 with all new actors and characters. Hughes did write the screenplay for that. They would make a fourth Home Alone in 2002, Home Alone 4, Taking Back the House. It has some of the same characters from the first film, but a new cast and storyline. A fifth film, The Holiday Heist, premiered in 2012 on ABC Family. And then finally, in 2021, Home Sweet Home Alone was released on Disney+. Plus. After the first two films, none of the other sequels are really all that good. Now that I have my Home Alone poster, I can follow the action every step of the way. Remember when Kevin hotwired the doorknob? Excellent! And Marvin got the iron drop square on his head? Yes! And Harry got the feather treatment? Awesome! Right now, when you buy the new Home Alone video, you get this free poster so you can follow the action every step of the way. $24.98 or $5 less with Pepsi rebate. Supplies are limited, and you wouldn't want to miss this. You have to hand it to the people at Fox. They were sort of prepared for the success of this film because there was some merchandise and they did do some really good marketing for the film. In addition to Pepsi, they had a Juicy Juice sweepstakes. And if you entered to win, you could get yourself a European vacation courtesy of Home Alone. I guess you're going to go to Paris and leave your kid home alone while doing so. They would have several video games based on Home Alone. They would be released on multiple systems, the NES the Game Boy, the Super NES, the Sega Master System, the Sega Genesis, the Sega Game Gear, MS-DOS, and Amiga all would get their own version of this game for the most part. 
there are so many different variations that if you go online and just watch Home Alone video games, you'd be surprised at how different they all could be. But they all have some things in common, which is they mostly are about Kevin defending his home from the wet bandits. They had a talking Kevin doll, quite popular. You pull the string and he says stuff from the movie. Macaulay Culkin in the film would make it to the cover of Mad Magazine, which I always consider a big indicator of success. They did a novelization in 1990 by Todd Strasser that was published by Scholastic. It's about 130 pages long, so it's a very fast read, but it's very effective and also helps to fill in some blanks in the story. Like, why didn't Kevin just go to the cops? That's because he was afraid. It's kind of taken a toothbrush earlier and was afraid that he was going to get busted by the cops because of it. So a decent excuse. You can find this book for about five bucks online, or if you just want to read it quickly, it is on the internet archive where you can borrow it for an hour at a time. They did a lunchbox of Home Alone. And finally, there is a board game. It's a spin and move game where you have valuables and booby traps, and you're trying to get the crooks into those traps and not finding the valuables that you've hidden. It is not a great game for adults, but it's fun enough for kids. The theming is very good. So those were some of the great merchandise they made for Home Alone. They would have an even bigger hit on their hands, merchandise-wise, for Home Alone 2, but that's a story for another episode. Home Alone is a great film, and probably an even better Christmas film. So if you're looking for a great movie to watch this time of year, something light and nostalgic, maybe something you watched as a kid, remember to fire up Home Alone. It's a great movie filled with great actors, a tour de force performance by a child actor, Macaulay Culkin. I remember reading where someone said he is the perfect blend of brat and lovable, something to that effect. And he really is as a kid, kind of sassy, but you still wind up liking him, which is not an easy thing to pull off. So if you haven't seen the film in a while, check it out and just appreciate what a great child actor Macaulay Culkin was. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at retroist.com. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at twitter.com slash retroist and instagram.com slash retroist. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you like what you hear, you should follow Peachy on Twitter and Twitch. He's at PeachyPixel8. That's the word Peachy, the word Pixel, and the number 8. Thanks to everyone who's been supporting the show. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so by giving it a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you've downloaded the show. I know I prefer nuance in my reviews, but it really is only the five-star reviews that will help the show at this point. So if you can, I would appreciate that. If you'd like to support the show further, you can drop by the Retroist Patreon at patreon.com slash retroist. Patrons of the show get bonus episodes, bonus tracks, bonus scans, and access to the Retroist Discord, which some say is the greatest retro community on the internet right now. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. Susan Sarandon and James Spader, the story of a younger man and a bolder woman in White Palace. Never saw it. This has been a retrospective production. Goodbye.